Well, good morning again. Welcome. We are finishing our series in James today. And again, I don't know about you, but um, we're second week into the new year. And a lot of people have New Year's resolutions, right? And New Year's resolutions are a lot like all these things that we think we need to do, right? All these things we need to accomplish. So maybe it's our diet, right? Something in our diet needs to change, right? I need to eat a little better. I need to eat. I need to have a little less sugar, right? Maybe I love sugar. Who else likes sugar? Everyone else big sugar, sweet, sweet cravings, right? So we, we want to have a little bit less sugar. So that's one thing. We, we put this on. We're like, New Year, right? I need something new. I need a little less a little less sugar. But it's not just sugar. Maybe it, maybe it's maybe it's exercise, right? So I need to I need to exercise a little more. So I, I you know so something else. I need to make sure I'm exercising, right? So I'm not well, maybe just going for a walk. You know, maybe I, I just need to make sure I'm exercising a little bit, and I need to make sure that I'm you know taking a break and going for a walk. So I, something else. I need to make sure that I'm looking after myself a little better. Maybe a few push-ups, a few more sit-ups. Maybe I started a gym membership. Something else I need to look after. Okay, but maybe maybe maybe, maybe I wanted to read my Bible a little more. Right? Maybe I wanted to, you know, read my Bible a little more, and I want to make sure that I'm looking after myself spiritually by, by going after a one-year Bible plan. So I want to make sure I'm doing that. I'm covering that. So something else I need to make sure I'm covering. Oh, but maybe maybe my prayer life. You know, it's, I need my prayer life to be a little better. You know, I, I'm not praying as much as I ought to. So I take a few more minutes. I'm just make sure. Okay, well, I, I got to make sure I'm praying, right? So I got to make sure that that's that's looked after. But but maybe maybe I've got to make sure I'm, I want to read a little more. Just in general, I just love reading, and so I'm going to make sure that you know I, I got enough things I got to look after. I'm, I'm reading, and and I got I, I like these books I want to be reading. Again, a picture. Do anyone feel like this? Maybe at the start of the new year, just like. There's all these things that I said I want to, to, to commit myself to, right? All these things that I want to add to my life. All these things that I think are priorities, are important. Things that I know are, are, are valuable and good in my life. Things I know I want to change or adjust. But it can feel a little overwhelming, right? And here's the other problem, right? We showed up, we, we woke up this morning, it's what, 66 degrees today, right? And it's like... You, you, you get up and you're ready for your, okay, I got my winter coat on, right? And it's like, I'm hot in this winter coat, right? And so the other issue is we start these new, these new lifestyle changes and we start these New Year's resolutions. The problem is that if we're not careful, it's like a season. Well, I tried that. You know, I did that. I can, I can take that off now, right? It's warm out. I don't need, I don't need this coat anymore. I, 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 did, I did the diet thing for a little while. I can, I can change that. The keto thing worked for a little while, but I'm done with that now. And, and you know, uh, you know, it's like, oh, um, I, I, you know, maybe maybe sugar ain't so bad. You know, the, the studies say that maybe I can have a little bit of sugar. It's all right. It's not. It's not so bad. So maybe I can. Maybe I can let that thing go too. And and maybe 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 you know whatever it is. Oh yeah, maybe maybe my I've, I've been praying enough. You know, like I, I've been seeing some answers to prayer. And maybe 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 I can just let that, that let that slide for a little bit, right? With these New Year's resolutions, if we're not careful, we look at them as something I need to put on. Or something I need to add, but we do it only for a season or for a little while. The other way I think I like to think about, particularly about diets, is people think about two, in two ways. One, it's they take on some kind of new diet, but then they do it for like a, a season, right? They do it for a while, the keto diet or the Whole30 or all those other things. But the problem is that the minute you get off that diet, if you're not eating, if you don't believe in eating differently like that, then what happens? The weight comes back, Right? Or some people think, again, with the diet, it's like, well, if I just add a supplement, right? I can eat whatever I want, but if I just have a few vitamins in the morning, then it washes it all down and I'm all good, right? We just have to think about these ideas of changes we want to make in our life. And the problem is that if we think about the changes in our life, we're often reducing them to just like a supplement or a season. And what we're going to talk about as we close our, our series in James is that God is more interested... In just, than just a supplement. He's more interested than just a season. In fact, the way he's describing this and the way a couple of other verses describe what we're going to be looking today is a lifestyle. A lifestyle. And particularly today what we're going to look at is this idea of what it means to have a praying life. A praying life. Not a praying season, not a praying supplement. A praying life. A praying life. And I want you to understand as I'm going into this, this, this sermon today, and in a moment we're going to stand as we read our, our section of scripture, 
I'm terrible at this. I'm a man who likes structure and order, so what I do is I like to set alarms and tasks and things, and that's all well and good. We need reminders. But God is not after us looking at prayer like a task, something that needs to be checked off on a box to make sure that we've accomplished it. God is after a relationship with us, and that's what prayer is really supposed to be about, building a relationship with God. Building a relationship with God. And so we're going to look together in James 5, 13 to 20 to close out our series on what it means for us to have a praying life. So I invite you to stand. Another one of our practices together as we stand together. And I'll read our section of scripture to us. You'll have it in your bulletin also if you want to follow along. And this is a closing out of our series and reminded we've learned a lot of really important lessons. But God wants us to take those things and put them into practice by first trusting in him. And we do this by looking to him in a life of prayer. So this is our section of scripture today, James 5, 13 to 20. It says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring back that person, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death, and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And so again, as we think about wrapping up all the amazing lessons, I don't know if there was a particular sermon or something specific that God spoke to you about from our, our series in James, but here's the issue. The issue is that we look at these things, we consider these things, God prompts us, he perhaps corrects us, but we, and then we roll up our sleeves and say, let's get to work, let me do this, I, can, I got this, I'm going to put these things into practice, I'm going to change, I'm going to see God do these amazing things, but the problem is that we do this without God. Without God. We don't ask for his help, we don't ask him the questions, but God, is this what you want? Is this what you're asking of me? Is this how you want me to change? How am I going to move with you into this new season? With you into this new practice? And so what we think about is particularly this new, this new year and all these ideas and opportunities and changes that we want to address in our life is a praying life, our big idea for today. A praying life is about learning to move from anxiety to anticipation. A praying life is about learning to move from anxiety to anticipation. And why that's important is, again, anxiety is all the things I need to do, all the things I need to accomplish, all the things I need to change, all the things that need to happen, all the things that are in front of me, all the things the new year is going to bring. Moving from the, to, God, you're going to move. God, you're going to change things. God, you're going to show up. God, you're going to reveal and James just wants us to understand this, about how this life of prayer moves us from this place of worry to watching in anticipation of what God will do. And the first thing we learn as we look at these verses is the praying life looks out and speaks up. Looks out and speaks up. Again, the temptation when we grow spiritually is to think we need to add something, just add a task, Right? I'll just add a bit of prayer. It's like seasoning in your life, right? Just add a little salt, a little pepper, and we're good, right? 
God is saying, no, I want a life of prayer. And so that means I'm always looking out for ways to pray, right? The verses in the, in the section talk about this idea. In the first section, it talks about, is any one of you sick? Let him pray. Is anyone among you happy? Let him offer songs of praise. This idea is, it's always a good idea to pray. There is not a moment in our life where it's like, no, that's good. I don't really need to pray about that, right? But the issue is we often only find ourselves praying when we're in situations of trouble or need, right? And God is saying a life of prayer is one that looks out. Where are the ways? Where are the opportunities? I can thank God for the things that he's done the ways that he is working. See, I'm not looking out for those things because I'm only thinking about the things that I need and I'm not thinking about the things that God has provided, the ways in which he has moved, the ways in which he has looked out for me. The beautiful thing about this is that God's answering prayers we're not even asking for. I mean, a beautiful thing that happens for me is like, I, I, maybe you have these mornings. For, for me, mornings and evenings with my kids are some of the most tempting times. If you've got parents, you, if your parents, you understand this. Mornings, getting out of the house, right? Lunches, getting them dressed, brushing hair, brushing teeth, getting snacks ready, getting them out of the house, and making sure that everyone is, you know, prayed up, good to go, all those things, is, is a challenge, and so we ha I had one of those mornings where things were just not going well, right? I was angry. The kids were upset. We're getting, and we're just getting out the door, right? And then I get home, and I get to work, and I start getting all my, getting all my stuff, and I forget, i got to move the car. i got to move the car for alternate side. So I run over. I'm half an hour late for the car. I run over, run over, and you know what happens, right? You're, you're, you're 10 minutes late, right? You know what's happening. I'm half an hour late, and I show up, and there's no ticket. Now, you know, for me, I'm checking 311, making sure, like, our alternate side parking, is it canceled? Is there something going on? And I was like, no, it's just the Lord. I mean, there's really no other reason. The Lord. Now, I wasn't even asking for that to happen. So later on, I'm walking by the car later in the day as I'm picking up, after I'm having picked up the kids, and I'm walking by the car, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are we looking out for those ways that God has provided and answered already? Are we only thinking about the things I need in the immediate, or am I thinking about all the ways I can ask and thank God? It's always a good time to pray. It's always the right thing to do. The prayer looks out for ways. The praying life looks out for ways to pray, to thank God, to look for ways to thank him for the things that he's done. The other issue, though, is not just that we find ourselves praying only in moments of trouble, but if we're honest, sometimes we're not even asking in moments of trouble because we think, well, I got this. I got myself in this mess. I got to get myself out of this mess. And we run down that road of all the things that we think we need to do to fix the problem, and we make more of a mess, more of a mess. We end up more anxious, more worried. And we're like, how do I get myself here? And I'm like, oh, right. I didn't involve God at any point in this whole thing. I didn't ask God to move or teach me or lead me or guide me or show me at any point during this thing. And I find out, why am I in this big mess? Why have I made things worse? Why is this fire bigger in my life? Because I have not at any point said, God, I need you. I need you. The praying life looks out. Where are the things, where are the places that I need to grow in talking with God? Talking with God. But the other thing about this text is you look at it and it describes this, 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 is any one of you suffering or in trouble? Pray. Is any one of you experiencing happiness? Let them sing songs of praise. And it says, is any one of you suffering or, or, or in sickness? Ask the elders to pray and, and lay hands on you. This idea of, it's not just a matter of me thinking about the ways I can pray for myself, but am I looking out for the ways that I can pray for others? Am I looking out to see the needs and concerns and worries and burdens and struggles of those around me? A praying life looks out, looks around. Who are the people that are not with us today? Who are the people that are not in this room? 
Who are the people that are weighing heavily in our hearts, as I've just said that right now? Our praying life thinks about the ways that we can lead others in prayer, lead others to God in prayer, speaks up for others, speaks to God for others, makes sure that we go in and lean in and care for others by bringing them to God in prayer. See, some of us sort of misunderstand what, what James is getting at, this idea of the prayer of oil, and maybe you come from a church that, that thinks there's some, some magical moment that happens when people use the oil in the prayer, and, and the oil has nothing to do with the power. The oil has to do with the presence. You see, when Jesus is using the oil, what he wanted to remind the people of was that he was willing to step in and actually touch someone who many would never give the time of day. The oil was a moment of Jesus saying, I'm willing to lean in and step into your situation to touch you when no one else wants to even turn towards you. The oil was a moment to say, God, you are near to the brokenhearted. You are near to the hurting. And so the oil was a moment for the, the elders of the church and those who were taking the oil to, to lean into this person struggling and saying, I see you. I feel your pain. I am with you in the struggle. A praying life is looking around to see how are the people in my life doing? Who can I pour oil over to remind them that they are seen and known and loved? that their experience and their struggles matter. A praying life looks out and speaks up. And here's the last thing. It's not just this idea of I'm looking around to think about the ways that God wants me to pray for things, to thank Him for things, looking around to see who are the people in our midst that need prayer, that are struggling, that I can lay a hand on, that I can turn towards and ask them how they're doing and, and lift those things up to prayer. It's always thinking about praying in the moment. You see, I, honestly, how many of us say, well, I'll pray for you. And then we don't pray for them. I was convicted of this sitting in Pastor Edwin's office. We, we have a Tuesday meeting. The two of us sit down and we meet. We plan out some things during the week. And we sit down and we're talking. And we're like five minutes into our meeting and an alarm goes off on his phone. And he's like, would you hold up? We're just going to pray right now. And, and you know, right? You set alarms and you just snooze, 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 snooze. He just stopped us right there and we started praying. I've been convicted so many times that in moments when I said, I will pray for you, that when I actually stopped and actually prayed for that person in that moment, God shows up. God shows up. I remember years and years ago being convicted of this because so many times I push it off and I say, I'll pray for you. And maybe I do pray later, but sometimes I don't. So being aware of in the moment to pray. I was, I was, I was a young intern at a church and this woman came up to me, we were talking, and she was struggling, she was crying. We were on the sidewalk in front of the church, out in, out in the street, and she was just, just coming undone, right on the sidewalk. And, and, she's, and, I said, and she said, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, I'd love to be praying for you. And, and she said, no, would you pray for me right now? And I was like, well, yes, yes. So right there on the sidewalk, middle of the day, laid my hands on her, and we started praying. And God just showed up. She, I mean, she, there, she, she left that prayer, not because of anything I said. She left that prayer with, you could just sense a tangible weight had been lifted from her shoulders. Why? Not because of the words I said, but because God showed up, because his people were calling out to him, anticipating that he wanted to move and speak and guide and answer in that moment. A praying life is asking God right now, not later. A praying life believes that the best moment to pray is right now. Right now. A praying life looks out and speaks up. So as we think about this first reality of what it looks like for us to have a praying life, of looking out and speaking up, when am I tempted not to pray? When am I tempted not to pray? When things are going good, 
when I think I have things under control. Maybe when I feel out of control and it's like I'm already down that trail, I'm just going to let myself go. When am I tempted not to pray? To forget prayer, to neglect prayer. When am I tempted to put off prayer? We need to ask ourselves those questions because we, we're called. Paul tells us in, in one of his letters to his, the churches, he said, we need to live a life of prayer unceasing, nonstop. I mean, ultimately, a life where every word that comes from our mouth is some form of expressive prayer to God, either thanking him, talking about him, talking to him. And how about you? I have a long way to go towards that. But we can take steps. Where am I neglecting prayer? Neglecting to pray. But not just this. The, the, the reality of what it means of a praying life is not just that it has this idea of looking out and speaking up, but it moves from covering up to confession. It moves from covering up to confession. You see, one of the things that, that mutes, that stops our prayer life, particularly as you pray for one another, is we think no one is going to want to hear about my struggles. Or no one's going to understand my struggles, or I'm ashamed about my struggles. And God tells us in this that the moment we think that, we are actually saying that prayer does not work. Prayer does not work. A praying life understands that keeping things bottled up and covered up and concealed is the sure way, the surefire way to keep from growing. Keeping things concealed and bottled up and, and is the surefire way to keep from growing. And so the way we grow in prayer is we move from covering up our sin to confessing our sin. The event, this even starts with just listening to God. What we did in the moment, we're sometimes very scared of the silence because we're afraid of what God is going to say. We don't want the stillness and the quiet because we're afraid of what he's going to put our finger on in our life. We don't want the quiet because we know that God is going to put his finger on something in our life that needs to change. And God is doing that because he cares for us. Because he cares for us. Because he knows the very thing that he's trying to put his finger on in our life is the very thing that's hindering us from growing in Christ. To look more like him and to experience deeper levels of joy and happiness and fruit in our life. The praying life learns to listen to Jesus in what he's saying to us. As one of my favorite authors, if you're going to read one book on prayer, uh, my, my favorite book on prayer is a book named the, A Praying Life, which is where the title comes from, from Paul Miller. And he says this, the quote should be up on the screen. It says, the very thing that we are afraid of, our brokenness, is the door to the Father's heart. The very thing we are afraid of, our brokenness, is the door to the Father's heart. You see, prayer is really this. It's confessing to God what he already knows to be true about us and isn't afraid of. Prayer is confessing to God what he already knows to be true about us and isn't afraid of. We don't have to be afraid of confessing our sins to God. Some of us might think that God doesn't want to hear from us, that we don't speak well, we don't know the right words, that we feel like we've messed up too many times, that God won't want to hear from us. These are the very things that God wants to hear. Jesus says, I came not for those who are well, but those who are sick. Prayer is confessing that I can't change these things, that I am a mess, that I am broken, that I need help. The praying life moves from covering up our sin to confessing our sin. But it's not just confessing our sin to God. The verses tell us confessing our sins to one another. 
And this is hard. Because we, we, we are tempted in these moments to think, they're going to judge me. They're going to look down on me. They're going to think less of me. They're going to they're come, they're going to say things I don't want to hear. They're not going to understand. This is painful. This is shameful. I feel like I've had to confess this so many times before. They're going to they're going to they're going to not want to hear it again. But confessing sins to one another is a reminder that again, what does it do? Look at the verses. What does it do? The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Not that my, my prayer forgives you, but we together come to Jesus and say, what is the hope that we have now? What is the hope that we have now? Now that we've confessed our sins, I've admitted these things that I've done that have, that have dishonored God, that have not loved Him, that have not served His purposes, that have not lived for Him. What are we going to do in this moment now? We're going to go to Jesus. We're going to go to Jesus. I think I've, I've probably said this before, but the, the issue of us looking at our lives is that sometimes we're afraid because we think, I have to project this measure of strength. I have to think I have everything together. It's like in, in today's day and age, it's like the, the Instagram filter. Everything needs to be good, right? It's all good. I mean, I've said before, how many times do we see someone projecting a train wreck on their Facebook or Instagram of their life, right? <laughs> Uh, and just a li- this a little picture where I was like tempted to not do it, but then recognized it would actually enter into the life. We, on New Year's Day, we were we would, uh, was it New Year's Day? We were New Year's Day. We went to Coney Island, and we were going to walk down. I know it's weird, right, Coney Island? But we walked down the beach because we like it's quiet, right? It's super quiet. We can walk down the beach, and we're looking around, and my two daughters were having none of it, none of it. They did not want to be there. They did not want to walk on the beach. They did not want to have any part of it. And I said, well, we're going to take a picture. And so we all got a picture. And there was a, you know, they have a picture. And it gets it was one of those Facebook, Facebook and Instagram likes. But like, and it's like 55 likes. Everyone liked, super likes it. But like, so I fixed it. Afterwards, I said, Happy New Year's from the Martins on, New, on the beach. And I said, what you didn't see was the fighting and the arguing that led up to that picture. <laughs> and all the parents were like, facts, facts. <laughs> Because that's what happens. We think that I have to project strength all the time. I have to project that I have it all together all the time. This is the world we live in. I always have to have it all together. I always have to have all the answers. I always have to be on point. I always, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Nah, I'm not good. I'm not good. I mean, not just like in the moment. I'm just not good. (laughs) Underneath the shirt, it's like, Kids, you need to fall in. You need to fall in. Right? Because it's about my picture. I want people to know that we have a, you know, we have a good family. It's like, no, we have a hot mess of a family. And it's all good. Right? We move from cover-up to confession. We together say, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. But we look at life with the rose-colored glasses, and we think everything's all good. And people are like, you need to take those glasses off because things aren't all good. And we need those people in our life to say, man, you need to take those glasses off. And it's okay to take them off. Because this is the world we live in. This is how things are. So we cover up because we think no one wants to hear. We think God doesn't want to hear. God's like, no, I sent my son Jesus because of this stuff. Because of this stuff. So we can lean in together and say, we need Jesus. So the second idea of what it looks like in having a praying life in moving from cover-up to confession is, what am I keeping from God? What am I keeping from God? I mean, reminder, he already knows. He already knows. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions. That doesn't mean he doesn't see it. It just means he doesn't condemn us. He sees everything. Everything. Even in the darkness, he sees. 
When no one else sees, he sees. And this is not condemnation. This is reality. Because all he wants us to do is say, Jesus, I don't have it together. I don't have the answers. I'm not all good. What am I keeping from God? Secondly, what am I not inviting others to pray for me about? Now this is again trusted. Remember this is the elders, right? This is leaning in so people will care for me. Not crack on me. Not talk down to me. Not be above me. Sometimes, again, it's not even just about cramming truth, right? Someone comes in, like, just, they just give them Bible verses, right? Just like, I'm struggling. Okay, take these verses and, go, and take them three times a day and you'll be good. It's like, I just was asking you for you to pray for me. Are we ready to listen to people's requests? That's maturity is listening to people's requests. And just saying, I'll pray for you. One of the things, my wife, um, for, for a year or so, went through this really great training for um, um, ministers' wives um, and, and who have experienced trauma, who have experienced just you know, church hurt and all these things. And the, uh, one lady just talks again and again about how this works, is when someone comes and confesses to you or is talking about struggles, the first thing out of your mouth, and this might sound strange to some of you, but it's reality when you start to think about how this works in the beginning. When someone comes and starts talking about how they're struggling and how things aren't going well and they're really dealing with these issues, the first thing you need to say is, that sucks. <laughs> Even if it's things that they've done to themselves. If we start te teaching in that moment, if we start leading in that moment, we've missed the moment to care for them. How often I do that with my kids, with my wife, with others. I need to listen to the request and then care the way God would care. But it's not just a matter of, again, covering up to confession. It's not just a matter of this idea of looking out and speaking up. A praying life, the beautiful thing about this text that reminds us, is a praying life sees power. Sees power. Look at all the ways that the text describes the answers in this. It's about learning to see that God healing powerful effects. Look at all the ways it describes in the verses. These are the things that it does, the praying life does in the next, in, in the next section of Scripture. It will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. They will be forgiven. It is powerful and effective. Do we not want those things? Do we not want to see God do these things? I mean, later on, and we'll get to this idea of Elijah, it stopped raining for three and a half years, and then it started raining through a prayer of a man who just committed himself to praying for his people. Do we not want to see God show up? Do we not want to see God answer? Do we not want to see God move? I think we'd all say yes, but here's the problem. We don't ask him. We don't ask him. The reason we don't see him move is because we don't ask. I, I, again, I'm telling you, I'm not good at this. So one of the things I haven't even told my family, because I keep telling them we're going to do it, we're going to do it, but I've had such a busy week, is we get into these situations, we start going down this trail of arguing with our kids, right? You're in a car, and everyone's got ideas about what direction we should go in, and where we should be parking, and where we should go for lunch, and all these things, what we should be doing. Amps up, amps up, amps up, amps up, amps up. And, and you can just know how that goes, right? It doesn't go anywhere good. And I, and I just was convicted at the start of this year to be, pray, to be praying. is like, I need to be in a space where I say, Jesus, you need to intervene. Jesus, we need your help. Like literally changing the atmosphere by inviting Jesus into that space. And it will change. Because Jesus guarantees us that he offers peace. Promise. Promise. But how many times do we not invite him into those spaces? Do I not invite him into those conversations? Do I not invite him into those moments? We don't see him move powerfully because we're not asking. We're not asking. I mean, just thinking about it, like so many people want to see change in our, in our city and in our, in our country. How many of us are praying for the government? How many of us are praying for the government? 
do we believe that Jesus can change the hearts of our leaders? I mean, if we don't, we have to admit that. But if we believe in the power of the, the one who is over all things, we best start there. We best start there. Just as a, as a, as a powerful, practical example of this. So this week, uh, last week, late last week, I got a call from a friend, and she's like, you need to come to the police station with me. My, my nephew got, was caught in, a, was working on a, a music video, got caught in a, a by the, was stopped by the police, two loaded guns in the car. Now, if you know anything about how law works, if it's a loaded weapon in a car, everyone gets arrested. And usually what happens is everyone gets charged. Unless they do swabs or they do fingerprints or if someone takes the rap. So we just commit to praying. My, my, my friend's nephew, no, no priors. We know the gun was not his, but we know he got wrapped up in this. He made an unwise choice to be around these guys and put himself in this situation. But we're like, Jesus, you need to show up. You need to show up. This is, a, this, is, this is a young black male. So again, a layers. You understand how this normally would go. So we just commit to praying. I'm like, Jesus, you have to move in this. Night goes on. Next day, wakes up. He walks out of court with nothing. No, no, no charges. No court appearance. No, nothing. Nothing. Now, I'm not here to tell you that God is always going to answer prayers like that, but I'm telling you this. We don't see that power because we don't ask enough. We need to start asking God. Because here's the other part of it. We ask only in such a way that if he doesn't answer or if he answers, who gets the credit? Right? I just need a little help. No, no, I need you. I need you. If you don't show up in this time, I'm sunk. How many of us are praying those kind of prayers? I mean, we get to a place of stability, and it's like, God, I've seen you. I'm good. Give me my daily bread. No, if I don't have you, I'm sunk. I don't ask those prayers enough. But when I do, and when I watch my friends do, God shows up. A praying life sees power because we're looking for ways to ask him to show up. I need you to show up in my finances. I need you to show up in my health. I need you to show up in the life of my kids. I need you to show up here. I need you to show up there. I need you to show up in our country, in our world, in Puerto Rico, in Iran. I need you to show up, Jesus. Praying life sees power. So if we think about this again, what am I not asking for? What am I not asking for? I'm not asking because I'm afraid God might not answer. I'm not asking because I think I can do this myself. I'm not asking because I don't know what it looks like to see that answer to prayer. What am I not asking for? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I mean, prayer works. But here's the thing again. Again, layers, right? Because we think about, okay, it's powerful. Yes, 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 yes. I want to see God move. I want to see him change. I want to see him direct and provide. And, and I want to see his power. But man, my faith is small. I don't know what it looks like to ask like that because I don't have a relationship with God like I want to. I don't know him like I want to. I don't have the words to express the things that I want to ask for. I don't know how to see these things the way that I want to see them. I don't know what it looks like or sounds like or feels like to want to pray like this. Well, here's the beautiful thing. A praying life is about trusting God is about trusting God. Now, the beautiful thing about this is we have this illustration from Elijah. 
And some of us are tempted to think, well, Elijah, I mean, that guy was on fire, like literally on fire. This guy loved God. He was doing amazing things, like literally calling down fire, right? I can't do that. But what it says in this text to remind us, what does it look? Look again at the text. Elijah was a human like you and me. And what that means is he was like us. A human being, even as we are, he was like us. He was like me. Did he always trust God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength? No. Was he always listening to and trusting in God? No. Because his trust wasn't in him, it was in God. To remind us that powerful prayers happen through ordinary people. Ordinary people. We think that i got to have it together. I need to know what the words to say. I need to have a strong relationship with God. I need to have just the right things to say. My theology needs to be all correct. I need to be strong. I need to be stable. God's like, no, 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 no. You need to be a human being. I mean, I think we got that covered, right? The directive to seeing the power of God at work is trusting in him, knowing that you're a human being. Check. But it's knowing that he is God. That he is God. Who can hold back the rain for three and a half years? God can. And he did. Who can raise the dead? God can. And he did. And he will. Who can use the most difficult, painful human experience in the whole humanity, the cross, the most heinous, terrible moment in human history to bring about the most good ever in all of human destiny? God. Your worst moments can be used for God's glory. That's who God is. That's who God is. Again, as Miller says in this, it's about trust. See, this isn't about me thinking I have to be strong enough, I have to pray enough, I have to be good enough for God to answer these kind of prayers. No, no, it's about me putting all of my trust, all of my hope, all of my desires in God. As Miller says just so powerfully and practically in this, prayer, the next quote, the quote for us, um, actually, I didn't leave. I forgot to put it in. Prayer is bringing your helplessness to Jesus. Prayer is bringing your helplessness to Jesus. It's admitting what I can't do, but it's knowing what he can. It's admitting what I can't do and knowing what he can. Without him, I can do nothing. And again, just to remind us, what, what reminds me and just gives me such hope, and I told you I'm not good at praying. I'm really good at structured prayer, morning, midday, evening, live the rest of my day like an atheist. I'm good. I got this. I got, I got the rest of the day down. If I just do the check-ins with you, God, I'm good. That's not a relationship with God. That's duty. But here's the glory. I'm not saved by how well I pray. God doesn't love me because I'm a good prayer. And when I forget this, I think of Mark 14. Mark 14, Jesus is in preparation of the worst experience he's about to have as a human being. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, whereas the Bible tells us he's sweating tears of blood because he's in such agony. And he's asking, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to redeem humanity, Please let me know now. He asks before he goes into Gethsemane, he says, hey, disciples, my, my closest followers, we take some minutes and pray for me. This is going to be a very difficult moment. Would you pray for me? Pray for me, please. Now, you know, if you know the story, he comes back. Three separate times he comes back, and they're sleeping. They're sleeping. And Jesus is like, really? Like, really? This is the... This is the most difficult moment I'm about to experience as a human being. And you're asleep at the switch. You're asleep at the switch. Not one, not two, but three times. And Jesus is reminding us in that moment, it's not about how well we pray. 
If it was about the disciples making sure that Jesus was prayed up in that moment, we are in trouble. I am in trouble. But beyond that, it's not just that Jesus lived a full prayer life for me. He is the answer to my prayers. He is the one who prays me up into the, the Father. He is the one whose prayer life makes me right with his Father that saves me and redeems me. Hebrews tells us this. And maybe you don't know this. He's living to make intercession for you right now. Hebrews tells us that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. And what that means is Jesus is praying for you right now. Why are we able to endure? Why are we able to keep going? Why can we keep doing what we're doing? Why can we stand strong? How do we endure and keep going and keep going with Jesus? Because Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for me. And so my trust is in the fact that Jesus prayed for me and continues to pray for me. My trust is not in how good or how frequent or how often, or how beautiful and flowery and theological my prayers are, my hope is in the fact that Jesus intercedes for me. He cleans up my prayers. He makes sure that the prayers that I'm bringing to God are heard well and right and good. My hope is in Jesus It's about trusting him. But lastly, this isn't just about us. This isn't just about us. See, the praying life is about not just this idea of we look out for each other, we listen to each other, we pray for each other, we watch out for how God is working in our midst. A praying life builds the church. Builds the church. Verses 19 and 20. The mission of the church starts and continues with prayer. And again, I put the quote up. <clears throat> uh, Miller, this is where I did put it up. And this is idea of, um, yeah, the next one. Just, just let this sink in for a minute. Because again, this idea of, there's people in our life we think need to change, right? I mean in the best way possible, right? We have wayward kids. We have lo- loved ones. We have coworkers. We have a government. We have world leaders, all these people that we know need to change, right? But what happens is we crack on them, we talk about them, we talk to them, we browbeat them, we think we need to say and 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 teach and teach and teach and teach and teach and teach and teach. And Paul Miller tells us, and God reminds us, until you are convinced that you can't change your child's heart, substitute spouse, co-worker, neighbor, you will not take prayer seriously. I can't change anyone. Anyone. Until I'm convinced of this reality, I won't take prayer seriously. But this means there are people that are not in this room today People that we know that have stopped coming to church, stopped being a part of the movement, stopped being in our lives. People that we know are struggling and suffering and we know they're not here and we want to help them. It has to start with bringing that person to God in prayer. I mean, looking around this room, who do we know is not here that should be here? And maybe they're not here because they're visiting friends or family, but you know, I mean, I'm talking about the people that you know that were here and now are not here. We have to believe that prayer is the fundamental foundational way that person's going to see change. If we want to see our kids change, our coworker change, our neighbor change, it's not going to be because I say the words enough. It's not going to be because I bring the right truth at the right time. All those things are well good. It's going to be because I commit myself and them to God. To God. So who can I pray for? Who can I pray for? Who is God prompting? You know that person right now. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your uncle. Maybe it's your aunt. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your teacher. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Who is that person? 
Who is that person that God's inviting us to, you to pray for right now? You've talked to them. You've brought truth to them. But what does it look like to pray for them? A praying life is about moving from anxiety to anticipation. I want to see these people change. I want to see the, the Lord move. I want to see great and powerful things. Commit them to God. Purposefully commit them to God. I want to see change in my life. I want to see him move and change me. I want to see new things and new ways and new, new opportunities in my life. Commit those things to God. I want to see power. I want to see powerful expressions of the kingdom of God and the power of God breaking out in my life and in my city. Ask of God. Moving from anxiety, things will never change, things are not happening, anticipating by asking of God. As Miller says in his book, prayer is about moving from a space of worry to watching, bringing my worries to God and then watching as he answers. Watching as he answers. And it's always going, and I, I mean, I've said this to so many people and it's a reminder to me every time I say it. God's answer is always going to be better than our request. God's answer is always going to be better than our request. Now that doesn't mean it's going to look the way we look and feel the way we want, but it's always going to be better because he's good and wise and thoughtful and so loving. So simply, some of us don't even know what to start with prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. How do you talk to your best friend? How do you talk to your neighbor? How do you talk to your dad, your mom, your aunt, your uncle? It's about talking to him. And instead of being anxious and worried about things, instead of being upset and angry about things, instead of taking credit for things, instead of being down, the things aren't happening and aren't changing, it's about asking him, talking to him, bringing things to him, and trusting that he wants to move and answer. As we close with this song, I just believe that the Lord wants us to pray for each other. So I'm going to invite uh, the deacons and the elders who are here today, and deacons and elders of the church, to come up in the front, stand up at the front. And for the rest of the service, I just invite anyone who wants to be prayed for to come and receive prayer. Because again, it's we want to see God move, right? We want to see God answer. We want to see God provide. And it's about us together saying, God, we need you. We want you, more of you. So if you'd like to receive prayer for anything, anything and everything, the leaders will be up here to pray as we continue to worship God now in song.